Hello everybody, welcome to Sonic Talk, episode 693, recording today, Wednesday the 1st of December. Uh, it's uh, here of UK time. If you want to watch us or listen to us in other places, don't forget we're on uh, Alexa, we're on Google, we're on iTunes, all sort of MP, good MP3 places where you might get your v v audio version. We're also on uh, streaming live on Facebook Live, we're also on Twitch, and uh, if you want to see the ad-free and with uh, pre-show, which has a little bit of pre you can check us out on our Patreon, which I will just pop the little record, the little pre-recorded thing up here. You can join us on the Patreon. Uh, there's also stuff like we've been posting patches up there from stuff that we review, samples, extra videos, um, and other bits and pieces. Um, but uh, please do join us. Yeah, lots of uh, lots of fun over there. So uh, please, please. Please go. <laughs> Please go and do that thing. Very reasonable prices. Um, okay, so let's just a uh, quick description. This is an audio and music technology podcast. Uh, we uh, cover things to do with music production, studio work, live work, instruments, uh, synthesizers, all that kind of stuff. So I want to say uh, thank you very much to our friends over at YouTube where you can see us live streaming at the moment. There's our chatties. We've got our IRC people over there where you can access us at sonicstate.com forward slash live and also on uh, Discord and Twitch and I think that that's where the comments are aggregated. So thank you very much for joining us, all of those people. Uh, uh, well, let's get on to some guests. Uh, we have, in fact, uh, we'll start with Mr. Yoed Nevo, who's there in London, uh, Nevo Sound, uh, where uh, he's Hello. busily. I'm. Uh, are you are you mixing any Christmas hits, or I suppose you would have done that back in August or something if you were doing that, wouldn't you? Uh, yeah, I haven't done that for for a while now. <laughs> Just mixing, uh, <laughs> you know, normal songs. Normal uh, songs. Yes, I'll never forget that yeah. time when uh, when. Uh, um, uh, uh, Ty just said, yeah, you just have to Christmas, Christmas fire things by putting sleigh bells on and then that basically your Christmas version. So imagine yeah, but, being but that, imagine the, yeah, if you were that specialist. You <laughs> that yeah, but as you mentioned, if I was, and when I used to do that, that would have been uh, done by kind of October and uh, or November, or everyone would be hysterical if it went over and stuff like that but luckily i'm not doing that uh very often anymore right well uh, of course uh yoad is uh is the guy who uh um, basically is also a developer at waves as well as being a mixer and producer and got an atmos equipped studio there are you doing more atmos work at the moment are you getting plenty of that stuff yeah going i have done a few a few more mixes since we last uh uh talked uh yeah Excellent. Going well, down. glad to hear it. Well, now and well, now, the, more, the, more the thing is now everybody's going to be an expert, aren't they? Because Atmos is, is 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 embedded in logic, and they'll just be able to go, yeah. But what about? And you'll have to explain to them very sensibly and very patiently. No, you can't do that with that signal, or you could, but it wouldn't work. Well, you can do whatever you like, you know. But uh, I would say that as a as a general kind of uh, rule, I would say maybe less is more. Yes, I'm sure you're right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, anyway, lovely to have you, Yoad. As ever, uh, more fa yeah. more stuff can be found if you want to keep an eye on what Yoad's up to. He's uh, available at uh, 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 is it? Uh, it's Nevo. Yoadnevo.com. And we've also got Mr. Matthew Hodson, aka Maths, who is uh, there in his Brighton studio uh, with his lovely wall of modular yeah. behind him because he's a producer who uses a lot of modular as well as an educator, a media composer, many, many things. Are you doing any more gigs at the moment as well, just to add another string to the bow? 
Um, no, I'm done for gigging for this year. Yeah, I was asked to do a gig recently and I sadly turned it down. I just, um, it all, you know, with everyone starting to gig again, actually, and I was taking on too much, I was really keen to get out and play live and I realised I was slightly overdoing it a little bit. You know, it takes a lot to prepare to go out and play live, as we all know. And um, even for someone like me who's a one-man show, uh, yeah, it can take it could take a lot out of you. It takes a lot of prep time, and yeah. you know, I don't have roadies and stuff like that, and uh, not even green rooms and luxurious things like that. But um, I, I definitely in the new year, definitely looking forward to playing some new gigs. Then I've got a few things that I've, I'm going to be um, I'm going to be letting people know about in about March of next year. Of course, and I think, if I remember correctly, well, before I go there, I should point out that uh, all three of our esteemed guests are featured on the the uh, Sonic 001 album, which is still available, very good value. I think it's uh, 17 or so tracks, uh, tracked by Yoad, tracked by Rich, and tracked by Matt, all available there, so do check that out. Uh, um, oh, well, I haven't introduced Rich yet, so I suppose I should. There's Mr. Rich Hilton as well there, over in uh, the other side of the pond, our Atlantic guest. Uh, Rich Hilton, of course, uh, player, producer, engineer, man of many talents, uh, are you gearing up for the chic Christmas disco season or uh, have you, is it things slowed down a bit? Because <laughs> no. things are getting a little bit, you know, unsure again. We're back into that whole lockdown, the new variant and all that kind of nonsense, I suppose. Well, our schedule is figured so far in advance that I don't know that that had anything to do with it. But the fact is that we're sort of on a brief hiatus from chicifying the world. Um <laughs> <laughs> and focused on other things here at home, like uh, and and very interested to hear Yoad's comments on uh, learning how this Dolby Atmos workflow might be, and uh, just about to touch my water into the edge of the pond to see uh, what that feels like. Um, so, oh yeah, I'm logic. Well, logic ten point seven, isn't it? Has uh, yeah. uh, we have? Yeah, I did a little. I, uh, when I was doing the uh, the MacBook Pro review, I just thought I'd touch on it and did a pan around. It was really interesting. Just a single blip. That's the way that you start started. To, yeah, they started hearing like, okay, that's I'm starting to hear. Uh, that's when you're down mixing to binaural, obviously, unless you have the system, in which case it would be actually doing all of those things. But yeah, well worth checking out. Well, it seems to me that most people have two things: headphones and many people have a 5.1 system hooked up to some home theater in their house, at least, uh, if not in their studio. And so those are probably the two formats that are going to get a lot of attention from novice users, at least like me, mm. who don't have a 7.1.2 or whatever it is for system uh, available here. So, or 7.2.4 or whatever it is. So um, uh, I'm looking forward to playing around with that and learning that and trying to incorporate maybe some of it into my workflow if I like it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, excellent. Nice to hear your heating's kicking in. That means it must be very cold yes. down there. The pipes are ticking yes, away chilly. like a good one. It's, yeah, it's been... It's chilly. been... It, was, it was snowing yesterday, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I've been, it's, it's nice here, but it's been absolutely freezing. Um, uh, the... I usually leave well, I usually leave the heating on for for the morning only, and when I come in, it's not not totally freezing, and it accidentally got switched off. And when I came in on Monday morning, and it was it was like five degrees until about two o'clock in the afternoon when the building had finally heated up. Oh, it was chilly, chilly, chilly. Uh, okay, right. Well, let's get on to a few. Um, things let's have a look uh, i want to start with uh well yeah hey why not let's start with with this guy so i think i just got to go back a few 
Uh, there we go. Oh, before I do, Christmas quiz is on uh, 22nd of December. Um, we are planning on working that. We've got, actually got a round from other YouTubers. So people are going to be bringing in some stuff, some questions. So it should be a lot of fun. And hopefully... Not as, well, some chaos, but not as chaotic as always. Right, anyway, so let's get on to our first, uh, first video. Here we go. This is the Cherry Audio Quadra, which is delightfully 80s in its demo. Got all the business. I won't play the whole video. I mean, it's pretty straightforward. I've actually got a copy of it here, which I could bring up uh, because I downloaded it today. There it is. Uh, uh, so you get the bass, the strings, the polysynth. What's interesting is you can set the key splits for each thing. So it's like a little multi-timbral module with, with all this kind of routing stuff. I'm not familiar with the Quadra, but people I know who have had their hands on it, because it was quite a rare beast, uh, say it's it's a thing of beauty, if a little temperamental, because I think it was it was quite... Uh, I don't know if it was the key, because was it the era of those... Our arps, which had the, the keys that stuck out over the bottom of the keyboard, so they mostly snapped off. I know, Rich, you were uh, you were talking pre-show about this uh, uh, this coming up, and it's the first one. Are you familiar with the Quadra? Yes, very uh, familiar with it. It was uh, the they should have called it the buffet. The buffet, yes. It's like it's like you know a synthesizer buffet under one roof. That was the whole principle: is that you didn't need to bring all of these things; you could do it all just right here. And um, to my mind at the time, it didn't do any of them as well as bringing all those things. Um, but that said, I had a good look at this software and it seems to be a very nice piece of software and a quite usable piece of software. And there are some improvements that they've made that do kind of make the thing sound a bit more lively. And, uh, and it incorporates that... Uh, this sort of randomness that people are starting to build into digital products where you can randomize certain aspects of the signal so that it doesn't sound like a flat recreation of something. Yeah. And so I think this product was likely to do very well for these guys. These guys seem to be making quite a splash lately with uh, other things like their memory mode uh, sim simulation and a bunch of other instruments. So uh, they seem to have a a mission here that's pretty clearly defined and uh, I wish them well. Yeah, I mean, this is only, it's like 39 bucks at the moment. It's really, you know, it's it, it would yeah. be 59, which isn't that great an expense. Uh, one thing I will say, because I was playing a little bit with it, um, it's... It's, it's good fun to use, and it's got some interesting premises. Like I say, you can kind of split the various different parts and send individual parts to different effects. And I wouldn't say it's like the, 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 the most finest, detailed, finessed modelled instrument I've ever heard, but it's the whole kind of concept of it for that price, I think, is fairly reasonable. Um, Johan, I'll come to... Uh, no, that's that's Matt. I'll come to you then, Matt. Hello. Hi. <laughs> have, you ever t have you ever had, a, had your hands on a Quadra? No, I haven't, unfortunately. Um, but I am aware of some of the ARP ones where the keys do stick out across oh, yeah. the body. Danger, danger. And you, dang, totally danger, yeah. And I know enough people who have, have had them kind of broken off and things. Nick, have, have you had a much of a chance of a play with the arpeggiator on this? Because I think they've done a few more extended parameters on it, and I'm um, quite a fan of playing around with arpeggiators. Did you, did you get that far? 
I, or even well, the Echo I, I tell you, as well. I tell you, yes, what I did is I made, I'm just see if I can find, is there a user that's probably used? I made one patch, which, mm. oops, I think it's a bit loud because it's cracking up because of the, the signal path here. So I think I made one patch. Okay. I thought it had, it did have an, oh yeah, I did put the lead on it. But I think I, yeah, I don't think I've got it set up. I didn't save that particular one. Um, so oh, well. no, not yeah, really. But okay. it's, I think it's fairly oh, basic. Uh, well, yeah, it does look fairly basic. And they said they've extended it. So that's why I was kind of interested to see what they've done. Um, but what they have done as well, which is, is kind of convenient as well, because you've got the bass and you've got the synth and, uh, and the four voices, essentially. Um, oh, I've just been told my Mac's going to go to sleep if I don't plug it in. Um, you can route them out to outputs, can't you, in Are Logic and stuff like that. I'm just going to go plug my Mac in. I'll be back. Okay. Yoaz, while, while, we, while we avert that disaster, I, said, I mean, I, I think the thing is, it's fair to say, I, I, I mean, that, that I, I think the thing is with Cherry, Cherry Audio, it's kind of like they're, they're cheap and cheerful and some of the, the, the detail is perhaps not there, but it's sort of moving the, the, uh, the kind of concept. Whereas I know that, you know, some of the software manufacturers really go kind of almost to component level. So I think that's fair to say, but it's, it's actually quite nice and clean. I must admit, and I don't really, again, I don't ha I haven't had that much, uh, um, experience with an actual Quadra. I'm not sure I've ever played one in real life. How about you? No, I haven't. Uh, my my most exp extensive experience with ARP um, is uh, the Polaris, the Chroma Polaris that I have here. Oh, yeah. Although I believe great. it's not really <laughs> related. Although oh. it's it's made by the same, um, but some of the same by some of the same people. Uh, but I will say about about modeling synths in in general is. Um, the way I see it, it, it you know, there, there, are two, there are two aspects of it. One is basically creating the, the presets. So you create the signal path that will allow you, uh, you know, the LFO ranges, the, the, the shape of the, of the filter, the resonance uh, and stuff like that. The, the shape of the of the envelopes the, the timing of the envelopes and and all those things which will allow you to to recreate a preset that will sound very similar but then there's the whole like you said component modeling or black box uh, modeling or however you want to approach it which will actually um, recreate the sonic, uh, yeah. element of it which which kind of which the presets sit inside if it makes sense so you right. have the the sound you you hear when you press the key which may resemble um the original but then you have a lot of other kind of uh, parameters that that will affect uh the sound um like harmonic distortion um things to do with the power supply uh, and things like that so um however these things can can be can be addressed by using other plugins on top of it right um like you know saturation or or harmonic uh, harmonic distortion uh plugins that may improve the sound 
may take it further away from the original, but m make it like kind of, you know, more pleasing and uh, and warmer and all those words that we like to to use in the context of of analog um, devices, especially since since um, I haven't really dived into that particular one. Uh, I can say that the that the user interface, yeah, is not. Again, it looks the part kind of from a distance, but when you zoom in, you know, you see that it's a little bit kind of softwarey. And yeah. I'm wondering if the same. Obviously, it's not related. It, it doesn't automatically dictate that that will be the the case with the sound. But um, you know, there's certain sort of depth level that you can go with with modeling uh, any analog gear uh, yeah i mean uh, I, I, yeah. I suspect what they have is an engine they've made that allows them to quickly replicate certain things and and fit you know change the characteristics sonic characteristics of a vca or a vcf or a vco and then bring them all together in in their in like their own synth making kit i suspect that's how because i mean they're moving so fast i mean they're releasing so many things which are of so many complexities that i mean to to do them all at the sort of detail where you go into that that kind of crazy depth of, of modeling would take so much time. I, mean, I, I may be wrong about this and I, I'm perfectly... Yeah, maybe to... they've been working on it for 15 years and just, uh, you know, yeah. just releasing everything at the, at the same time uh, or, or you know, one after the other uh, because of marketing uh, kind of uh, considerations. Yeah, exactly. Who knows? Like that, you know? Do you... Um, I, I, I agree with Yoad completely um, and it's a really interesting point you're making about all of that. But I was really blown away once, and this was, when was this? This was like 2006 when F Expansion released their set of three synths. It was uh, like the SH-101, I think it was called Strobe, and then there was Cypher, and there was some kind of string machine. But what they did was um, circuit emulation, um, looking at the discrete components, yeah. and then measuring how they all interacted with each other when you did particular things. And that, to my mind, was it, they were really CPU heavy, but they were. I remember installing them, and I was really blown away by how analog they felt in terms of um, the different elements combining together. So you can push pushing things into a filter or adding on more voices suddenly changed the way the whole thing kind of sounded and shifted and and that kind of thing when you disengaged different parts of the synthesizer for example it, it it again sounded different and um i've still got them i still have them installed and i still use them i think they're absolutely awesome uh, but they're the only only company to my mind they did a whole video on it they they went into great detail about how they they actually modeled it all and the discrete components but they are the only people to my mind who have kind of done it to that, that level i think that i think i think there are several that do i mean soft tube have I'm, yeah. i know uh uh, I, I'm sure there are many others. I think GeForce do. Uh, I don't know how much component modeling they've done, but I think kind of they were doing some okay. pretty, pretty deep stuff as well. It's just a question of. I mean, but I think you're right, and I think to be fair, that the 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 quadra is probably not a very complicated. You know, it it was a sectional synth based on the sort of almost the idea of that kind of 
the the organ, you know, with a company. So you have multiple things at the same time. So you, you would have various different sections. So in terms of the actual stuff it did in terms of character was perhaps not the most characterful, but in terms of features, it's quite a unique feature set. Mm. The thing I really liked about uh, this one I'm going to bring it up, is just the idea that all of these uh, one, two, three, four sections can all be split separately in their own key split or layered or whatever. So you've got, a, you've got a lot of sounds in there. Each sound is not necessarily the biggest and the most boldest and beautiful sound you're ever going to hear, but in combinations you get some really interesting patches it's just not you know it's as a synth if you got the original it would probably sound great but it probably wouldn't rock your world across the entire spectrum of sounds that it could could make i suppose is what i'm saying yeah i, th I, I think I, that's what i mean I, one of the things that i love when these sort of things come out um uh, one of the things I love about synths in generally is when they put their own onboard effects so in this case what you got phaser echo and reverb um yeah. I, I just love it if software companies allowed us to tap into that and just run audio through them. I don't know if it is the case. Sometimes, yeah, sometimes I haven't had, because I'm just running this in standalone. So sometimes you can just do effects version only. So, sorry. Yeah, because they've just got, sometimes they've just got this, your own, that own unique sound. Sometimes I'm playing around with a synth and it's got a particular delay on it. And I'm like, that, that's just got this weird thing going on. I can't put my finger on it, but I'd love to use it as a standalone delay. Um, but obviously, there was no way of getting audio into it, but I'd love it if software companies enabled that, you know, mm. um, with, with these plugin versions. Yeah. Oh uh, yeah. And I just wanted to say, uh, you were talking about saturation for instance, like the brand new retro five from waves, which does a bunch of that stuff, right? It's a nice, that's a nice looking Ooh. interface. Did you have any, uh, did you have anything to do with that? Jared, or is that a, a separate uh, product stream? Yeah, totally. Uh, yeah, and thanks for uh, for showing it. Uh, I I would like to comment on on what Matt said, but I think we should let Rich uh, no, say no, something as well on, go ahead. on that. Go ahead. Uh, okay. No, go ahead. Sorry, Rich. Um, yeah, from from a developer point of view perspective, I would say that uh, you know every every component you release. So, for instance, uh, if you have a, a plugin like a Serum, which has nice effects, and they've released they've released the FX version of it, which allows you to run audio through it, it's a whole different thing, and it's a lot of headache because it's basically it's a different plugin. It's a different plugin that has to to run audio through it. It has to, you know, to 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 work with with buffers. You have a lot of QA to do. You have to make sure that it works on all the platforms right. on M1 and on PC, on Windows 11, on that, on that. So, and the benefit, and usually you get it for free. When you buy Serum, you get the FX version for free. So, so for the manufacturer, manufacturer, there's not a lot of, of, you yeah, know, uh, of, of, uh, of, I forget what you're saying. Uh, incentive to, to do that, although it would obviously be nice to to have them because some of some of the scenes have have nice uh, nice effects. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got you, Rich. I think you had a I something just, to add. I was just going to say that there are plugins that do offer that, and it is a separate plugin, and I can understand why it's a separate. Once you make it a separate plugin, it's a separate headache in terms of getting it approved for across all the platforms and working properly and everything. Um, but it does exist to some extent, and it's cool. I think it started with the organ emulations breaking out the Leslie Sim 
and then it kind of went on from there. That's kind of where I first noticed people starting to do that, give you a portion of the instrument plugin as an effects chain. Yeah, uh, possibility. wow. Okay, well, I think uh, we'll pro I'll probably just drop uh, a, a little message from. Uh, I'll I, well, I'll put this one in because uh, obviously I think we're still just about running. This is the last possible moment. So uh, here's a message from our friends over at Artoria. Artoria kicking off Black Friday with their biggest ever 50% off sale. You've got till December the 8th to save 50% off V Collection 8, FX Collection 2 and Pigments 3 plus Spectrum Sound Packs. Of course, V Collection is a huge collection of iconic instruments, new instruments including the OBXAV, the Emulator 2V, the Juno 6V and the Vocoder V, as well as many other favourites. FX Collection 2 also adds EQs, uh, compressor diode, uh, bus force, and the, the classic DIMD, as well as uh, phaser, flanger, chorus Juno 6, plus other EQs, delays, and other processing. And of course, Pigments is their, well, flagship software synth. It's not anything specific, but is a very impressive instrument in its own right with a fantastic modulation matrix. If you're already a customer, log in and get even more discounts. Just head over to artoria.com right now. And we thank them for their support. And yeah, it seems like the Black Friday sales have been so uh, software. I've been very good. I don't think I've bought anything actually or certainly not on sale not intentionally um apart from maybe a christmas present or two so uh yeah i've been i've been good but i think we we, we kind of covered that last week a little bit um all right so let's let's take a look at uh what's our next topic I, uh, yeah let's go let's just go back to our next topic uh, i'm just gonna grab this yeah this and this is well I'll, it speaks for itself What's up guys, I'm Andrew Freed from Bass Freedom. Today we're going to talk about the history of slap bass. Slap bass goes all the way back before the electric bass was even created. I want to go back through all the decades, talk about all the bass giants, legends, and pioneers who really, really evolved this technique. Yeah, I encourage you to watch this. It's not only is it uh, uh, there are some factors in there I, I didn't even know about at all, but this is Andrew Freed, uh, uh, who is, uh, um, <coughs> excuse me, who's a, a YouTuber focuses on bass. Uh, this covers uh, not only the beginnings where we're talking about acoustic bass. I didn't realise that before this, before beforehand, the the percussive act, uh, uh, element of bass playing would actually create more amplitude and allow the bass to kind of come forward in as bands got bigger and bigger. So slapping and percussive bass kind of started there. And it, it, it makes total sense. And then it goes on Larry Glam, Graham, Marcus Miller, Flea, Victor Wooden, you know, all of it. it. It's very, and one thing that you get when you're watching a whole load of slap bass all in one go is how how derivative it can be. It very much sets, uh, you know, when, when it's really going for it, and not a lot of these examples are kind of like, these are the virtuosos. So you're seeing them slapping like crazy rather than maybe you know tastefully and occasionally uh, but it's really interesting i know rich i mean i know you know you're a pianist you've probably played with uh, acoustic basses and bass players who play upright or slap i mean it's a very I mean, it became so taboo didn't it after the 80s it's sort of something that you don't you just don't you don't see it happen that much i mean, I guess in in uh, chic obviously it forms a big part of some of those sounds although a lot of the chic bass lines were finger bass rather than slap bass they weren't much slapped when bernard played them at least no. not toward until towards the end and he actually included a clip from the Budokan show from 96 Bernard's last show in the in his presentation um there were some omissions as there are bound to be but I thought this was a really good video 
and from his perspective, I understand the omissions and it's how, and I think you kind of uh, toe get close to this topic. It's how it integrates into normal bass playing that I think makes it interesting. Although there are plenty of people now who are just slap, slap and pop, popping away. Um, I don't know. Larry Graham had some expression for it, but uh, he covered most of, of the guys, the significant people, and now the women. Um, there's another one on, on Instagram who's really good. I can't remember her name, but uh, a young lady. Um, and of course, Tal Wilkenfeld can play great. Um, but the, the video had tons of great people and it, it did come to rest on some of the most important ones of each sort of era, including Bootsy at one point, and um, they, they, they uh, rested on Victor Wooten at one point. And they, they, so they picked out some people who deserved a little more time yeah. in their presentation. Um, it's an interesting historical connection to make with regards to acoustic bass, because though they get slapped, it's in a different way and for a different reason, and it produces a different kind of a result. But to the extent that they did show that, it reminded me that Bernard Edwards, who did some slapping but was mostly known for his fingerstyle tone and bass playing, um, if you listen to his bass tracks, he's drumming on the strings. So no matter what he's playing, the backbeat, his finger will come to rest on a string. It'll just be a puh. It's just a puh. It's not a note. It's not a anything but if you listen to him in solo he's keeping time on the beat you know usually two and four with whatever syncopation he's playing interesting and it's a remarkable thing to hear when you hear it that clearly because it's and somebody in this video early on said uh i think it might have was it larry Grant? somebody said well i didn't have a ba i didn't have a drummer so i had to play all the drums and the bass on just the bass guitar and that's kind of how all of that extra phrasing became part of the style and uh bernard certainly did that whether he was popping or not he was he was always keeping backbeat time with a finger on a on a deadened string Interesting. I know, Yoad, I mean, you've done a lot of remixes and stuff. If, if something comes in with a slap bass line, is it, is it the first to go or does it stay? I mean, it's there, there's not many of them around. Are there? it's not, it's, sorry? Yeah, I love slap bass. I love, I love it. I mean, despite uh, the notorious um, Seinfeld, uh, you know, theme. Um, but, it's, but it's, again, it's interesting because uh, if you think about um, distorted guitar, it also came to be uh, when people wanted their guitar to, to, to sound louder, to compete with the drums, and they cranked out, uh, up the, the amps, which created that sound. And then it became a stylistic uh, kind of uh, choice. And now it's, it's a part of our vocabulary, basically, for, for guitar. And, uh, and the same, you know, the same happened with, uh, with bass, although maybe luckily, it uh, the slap bass has not um, occupied the same sort of uh, si significant uh, space as uh, as distorted guitar or over overdriven guitar. Uh, yeah, I think that if you use it wisely, um, then then it can be great. Or yeah, tastefully, I, 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 just, I, just I, agree, I agree. I mean, that's it. It's the tasteful thing, isn't it? I mean, and it also goes back to this thing um, before I come to you, Matt, of 
during this kind of 70s and 80s, there was there was a focus on virtuoso within musicianship, and we would hear, you know, that that became it wasn't in necessarily pure pop, but it became it became much more sort of. Uh, uh, po in, within popular culture, you know, partic particular players and the whole kind of fusion kind of brought a lot of players into much wider global kind of uh, recognition, which perhaps was uh, for a number of different reasons. And, and a bass player doing that thing would automatically make them feel. I mean, there are other um, uh, techniques. I mean, fretless bass as well. Mick Carl is one of my favourite bass players, but it's interesting, isn't it? I mean, th there's only. A slack, you know, that kind of bass tone, it, it, it could, you know, sometimes only that will do if that's what you need, right? Yeah. If you if you look at back at some of some of those bands that have really incorporated slap bass, they just wouldn't be who they are without, without that. You know, Red Hot Chili Peppers, for example, with Flea and the way that he attacks that bass, it just wouldn't have that same sort of gravitas, that same sort of energy behind it. Um, I'm also, I was also trying to think who else... Um, John Entwistle from The Who would switch a lot, I think, between slap bassing, finger bass, and and again, just maybe to compete with the other loudness that was going on when you've got someone like <laughs> keeping on drums. You know, yeah. 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 Um, but then I was also thinking about who hasn't really incorporated slap bass that's in been in quite a big band. I don't know if you've heard of the Beatles. Um, <laughs> they had a, they've got bass guitarists called uh, Paul McCartney. And to my mind, I was trying to think, he hasn't really done much slapping. Um, Interesting. Please correct I, me if you're wrong, but I it's pretty much, I think it's all pretty much finger bass and pick. Even, and so yeah. I'm guessing. I, would, I, maybe I don't think it would sound good on his, uh, on on his, his Hoffner guitar. On his Hoffner, yeah. Yeah, the strings are probably a bit good. dead. Yeah. <laughs> but yes. Maybe, yeah. Um, maybe there was a little rule between the four <laughs> of them where they were just like, no slap bass. When I wonder it, if it, yeah, it wasn't really, it wasn't really it. a thing then, was it? Quite maybe just towards the end of what they were doing, they might have just started. Maybe Larry Graham would have just started to, right. maybe just, right. but it probably wouldn't have maybe entered into their world. Imagine George Martin coming in and going, "Guys, I've I've just <laughs> I've just heard this great new. We need to get that on there. Yeah, I need a new bass, new strings. I mean, that's another. I mean, again, the Bernard Edward thing that the. Um, uh, isn't there the famous story that he never changed his strings? You know, he always used the same strings, which, you know, which was part of his tone. So he wouldn't have had that same brightness, I guess. But I mean, that's just because new strings give you that kind of particular kind of clank and a particular pop and snap. It's a duller sort of effect. It doesn't have the same percussion. Yeah, anyway, I thought it was a bit of fun. Definitely worth watching. Um, and um, there's lots of lots of uh, uh, stuff in the chat room about who, you know, who, who else to check out. And there are lots and lots of people that you should because there are uh, plenty of them. Um, right, okay, let's try uh, let's try another topic. Uh, what's next? Uh, oh, yeah, this might tie in with something you were saying, Rich, because of the whole idea of uh, Atmos. So if I just do that, uh, I think, actually, this is over here. Uh, I need a, yeah, here we go. This was a story that uh, IK's iLoud MTM, um, which is sort of affordable DSP-enhanced speakers, uh, have now had a sort of OS update that allows them to be used in full Atmos surround systems, which makes perfect sense. I mean, they're only about 350 bucks each. Um, so it's not like uh, a major outlay. I mean, they do have a certain amount of DSP going on in them, um, which does mean that they're, you know, I don't know. I, and I was going to ask you, Yara, do, is there DSP in the Atmos monitoring? Can you play through live an Atmos monitoring system and pan it without much latency, or does it introduce latency? Well, the, the, the system itself is transparent, so it's just basically speakers. 
so uh, the DSP element in the IK Multimedia One would uh, would help you to to set it up and to 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 set up the EQ curve uh, for each speaker, but uh, but it's basically a set and forget, so it's it doesn't play any active role in. Uh, while monitoring. So what right. you want is a speaker that has no latency and is solid. And once you you calibrate it or or uh, line it up, then it just stays there. Um, so I believe that this is what the DSP on on the IK Multimedia um, system does. Right. Is there any? I mean, if you if you were down mixing to binaural and you're listening through the Atmos at the emulation side of things, where the down mix would do, do, do you know if that introduces any latency? Uh, the binaural processing um, it depends on how it's it's done. So if it if it's done algorithmically, then in theory, you shouldn't have, not in theory, in practice, you wouldn't have because it's based on IR, IIR, um, basically, um, algorithm. Um, however, many, many systems, including uh, Dolby Atmos itself, when you mix down to binaural, uh, it uses IRs. So in that sense, you could have some uh, some latency again it depends on how what's the what's the lowest frequency that you want to to go to uh, because that will dictate the the latency on on an impulse response um, ah right okay so but but one would think that you would not necessarily have to introduce sort of room ambient uh, in order, like we discussed on on our video, in order to help you with localization, um, um, so you wouldn't necessarily have to introduce that on the very lowest frequencies. So so, and also you have the direct signal that kind of masks the the transient, if you like. Right. Uh, that's pretty, so yeah. you can get away with some latency. Um, Plus, you're trying to emulate to simulate the room, and the room will have some latency before the, the first uh, reflection from the wall. Not so much from the from the floor, but so yeah, it shouldn't it shouldn't uh, introduce uh, too much latency. And if and if it does, then there are ways to kind of hide it or mask it. I'm just trying to find out uh, what this would you know what this what the, what this would work out. So it's uh, eleven. Uh, 11 times uh, 349, which is what they cost each. So still going uh, to cost you close to 4,000 euros plus a sub, I suppose, maybe just to get an Atmos mm -hmm. system if you're going to go for the full seven. So, uh, Rich, are you, are you thinking about kind of bringing or, or wiring up your, uh, your, your, your sound card down to your 5.1 snug uh, at, so you can listen to mixes down there in your, while you're experimenting with Atmos from, from Logic? It crossed my mind when I saw this product. <laughs> um, that you know, I, I looked over at my woeful five point one playback system over there by my man cave TV and uh, thought, let's see, for about twelve hundred and fifty bucks, I could turn that thing into something completely different. Uh, plus, plus, I'd have to change the amplifier. But anyway, um, 
this particular space I'm in right now isn't really very well suited to it. It's very small and it's very boxed in. And I'm not sure putting speakers in here to do that is desirable, but I'm not sure it's not either. And I'll know. Obviously, when I start out, I'm going to be using it in its binaural uh, playback uh, mode to get a feel for how that works. That's going to be the first thing because it's the easiest thing for yeah. me to do. Um, and it, and I'm sure that mirrors the experience that a lot of Logic users are going to have when they're using it the first time because most of them don't have full Atmos speaker rigs available the first time they're trying the thing out. I think that's the so thing, isn't would, it? It's so hard. To, I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard one of these systems i've heard it binaurally uh, which is a d very different experience it's not the same it's not the same thing I, i'm sort of thinking Couldn't maybe be, but... maybe maybe as we as consumers of music have become really uh attuned to the way that tape sounded for instance for a really long time so we we kind of grab we liked the warmth and we liked those things maybe as atmos you know, even binaural mixes become more of a thing. We'll just gradually become almost sort of culturally sort of, I don't know why, but I prefer that mix kind of will we'll start to happen in, in our just everyday listening as that stuff is built in, as we often are listening in headphones, you know, just through necessity these days. Well, I can definitely see people wringing their hands at the possibility that that will become true. <laughs> yeah sure well, it may, it, yeah well exactly but it, i mean it kind of made and, it, and it, in many ways it, it it sort of has you know the, the fact that apple are behind it makes makes it much more of a, a push from within the industry rather than from the consumer side because it, it might right. it might it might not i don't know i i have this there's i'm of two minds on the thing and i'd love it if it did but i, I and i sort of don't care but it's funny because they've spent now two decades trying to sell 5.1 to people and to some extent, they've sold it in home entertainment systems on the cheap. Uh, and you'll go into somebody's yeah. house and they won't have any idea how to operate it or how it's set up. Yeah. But it just seems to play out of all the speakers. So, so that's fine. But um, so the solution to that now is to add more speakers. And I have a question about that. But on the other hand, I haven't worked in it and I'd love to hear it sounding great and so i'm not you know i'm kind of looking forward to it at the same time but i want to as for how it's going to catch on in the marketplace that remains to be seen yeah it's interesting just because apple thinks it's a great idea doesn't mean it's going to catch on in the marketplace yeah it's interesting oh, it's inter it do do i mean do you have i mean are the bims facilities now feeling that they need to put in atmos mixing or atmos listening just to sort of because i mean most of us are ne I, I mean i don't know when i'm going to hear this i'm going to have to visit a come and visit johan and experience it for myself because i'm not going to get that experience unless i have access to a place where i can hear it in its proper native yeah. you know format you, you're totally right and rich hit on the head i mean 5.1 setups on their own very few people have them in their homes it just has not taken off. Who wants to have six speakers in their living room? They don't want that. Um, it, it's great in cinemas and things like that. So, yeah, we, we actually teach uh, multi-channel audio. So that's not just um, surround and, and Atmos and what have you, but that's that's just sometimes three. And what can you do with three speakers and playing around with it in an experimental way? Because there are parts of the industry that are still using this, um, and so it's, it's important to tool the students up with this. Who knows how something like this may be tightly integrated into the whole metaverse kind of things that, that's 
moving forward. But I think one of the interesting things about Atmos and the ability to mix to an extent using the binaural process, which is free. If you've got a copy of Logic, you can mix it in Atmos in the binaural way. Um, this is the first time in history, to my mind, where you know we went from mono to stereo and people didn't know what to do with stereo then and they were putting everything except for the tamarine in the right speaker you know and that kind of thing uh, now we're at a point where we were able to change the way we listen to stuff but while music producers are empowered to be able to undertake an experiment with that in their own setups with very very li little money or or setups i think um i can see why apple are pushing a dolby atmos because the experience of just having two speakers walking down the street and i don't know if you've listened to some of the atmos mixes they're brilliant and um even when you're setting up your airpods they do this little test of the sound moving around you and i was i was like wow this is this is 3d i'm wearing two speakers this is exactly what we want it's convenient it's small and it's now plumbed into logic so i think this is going to be an interesting time when we figure out what we're going to do with this as music producers. Um, some of us will start mixing and experimenting with it in a very sort of literal way in that they'll put reverbs at the back and or further out. But some people might start doing the opposite and building their mixes with reverbs very central and dry things around the outside. And, and then, of course, you can automate all of that. And then, you know, where do we go from here? Then does that lead on to a new form of music or something like that, that we, I don't know, you know, it's, I think it's, is a really interesting time and we're yet to really figure out what to do with it. Yeah, I think I think you're right. I mean, we we talked a little bit about uh, the sound, the, the Spitfire uh, Aperture Library, which was recorded in air with loads of, you know, I wonder, you know, sample libraries that are made in that format and i suppose there will be techniques aren't there it's like you know like for instance you always have the kick down the middle the hi-hats usually off to the side you know there are things that mm. that languages that we have come to expect from like how you mix it you know if i if i'm mixing a drum kit live i've got the toms that go sort of round and i've got the overheads pan what mm. you know there are conventions and i suppose we don't have those conventions in place yet that it's like well if you want a really wide reverb in atmos this is what you do or if you want the if you want that to happen this is what you do and those sort of techniques will be become more sort of uh, embaked into uh, standard production techniques uh, as people experiment and figure out how to do these things in in that it's got to this point already so far with the technology we already have you know there are ways it's like yes to do that you do an, an eventide harmonizer and a blah 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 and that's that sound and you go all oh, right i want that sound and it's like well we'll have examples of atmos enable that sound that somebody might want on their record, you know. So that's that's where it's going to start to really become in. And I guess the fact that it's available at at source now for many, I mean, obviously that's logic only, but I mean, there will be other other flavours are available. It's just a different uh, process. I don't know how that quite how it works, but uh, it's going to be interesting. I mean, yeah, I mean if you, are you finding you've got a sort of new lexicon of, I must remember that because that sounded great in that mix and that would work as a sort of standard technique that you would use on another mix? Um, yeah, for, I mean, for me, it's, a, it's just the linear progress because I've been, I've been working in surround for yeah. 20 years or something and we developed the, the Waves uh, 360 bundle, which was 5.1, um, I don't know, 15 years ago or something like that. So 
Um, so, so for me, it's just um, another step in the same kind of uh, direction. Uh, so, so it's not that you throw everything up in the air and and start again. You build from from right. You know, from from the previous step, and the previous step has some some um, sort of guidelines, rules, if you like, uh, for 5.1 for uh, for home use, um, for, for basically for consumers. You have a certain things which are uh, which dictate. Um, you know, uh, we talked about it on on a on a video that we did on Dolby Atmos. Uh, if you sit by the sofa which most people you sit at the sofa and your tv is like three meters away uh so you'll you'll be sitting next to the to the rare speakers so if you put like a hi-hat or a shaker there you pan it you know to to the to the back uh then you'll hear it before you will hear the kick drum that's coming from from the the front yeah. speakers so you'll yeah, have yeah, some yeah. timing issues there are a lot of things like that to consider. And once you know and you're aware of these things, then Dolby Atmos is basically it's it's the same. It's not uh, obviously any any new technology brings with it um, artistic kind of, um, you know, uh, innovations or creative people, which is what we all are, uh, always find ways to to kind of abuse the technology um, to in a positive way. So yeah, uh, absolutely. But but it's not that we have to to start re to to re to reinvent everything we know. We we can just uh, move forward in linear linear steps. No, well said. I think that's a. I think that's a very valid point. Um, I, I, we should probably move on a little bit, just purely because I mean it's a fascinating subject, but uh, there's other stuff to cover. And also, uh, it's time we heard from our friend uh, uh, Prince Charles Alexander and Isotope, I believe. Isotope Producers Club is a one-of-a-kind membership for producers ready to take their tracks to the next level. Once you join, you'll gain access to powerhouse Isotope plugins and a curated selection of tools from our partners, such as Melodyne from Celimony. Plus, as long as you're a member, you'll get every future update to the Isotope plugins in your membership for no extra cost. We'll also regularly serve you new curated content like exclusive inspiration-sparking sample packs and preset packs and industry-leading training ranging from our own tutorials to vocal production lessons from the world-renowned Berkeley Online, taught by Grammy-winning producer and engineer, Prince Charles Alexander. With new content being added every month full of valuable production techniques, tips and tricks, and solutions to common production problems, becoming a member is an investment in your career that grows as you and your career do. For more information on Isotope Producers Club, head to isotope.com. Yeah, once again, we thank them for the support of the show. Uh, if you go to uh, uh, isotope.com forward slash Sonic Talk, uh, you can find out more information on that. And also, I did mention this previously, but uh, if you use the code SONIC10 at checkout, even while all of these sales are on, you can save yourself an extra 10% on most of the stuff there, as long as it's kind of software. Not subscriptions, unfortunately, but uh, uh, it's all over there at isotope.com. We do thank them very much for their uh, continued support. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Wagyu, for the... Uh, 
super sticker there that will go towards the uh, uh, the long-awaited Christmas drinks. Uh, which if I didn't uh, if I didn't mention, we've also got our. Uh, don't forget, I'm going to post this up now. Don't forget the Sonic State Christmas quiz will be happening on the 22nd of December. Uh, we've we've spent quite a lot of time on Atmos. So it's a fascinating discovery. Uh, 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 thing to talk about but uh, I suppose there are some other topics maybe now's the time to get into our picks because I think um I think this is a kind of this seems to be a, a, a segment that's taken off and working pretty well so I was I'm going to start with uh with you Rich I think because uh every week we try and get uh our, our friends over to uh, in the panel to kind of mention something that uh, maybe they've been getting into and I uh, will start with you Rich you were just talking generally about the whole notion of saturation plugins as a thing that you've kind of recently discovered and I think it's very apposite at the moment just purely because we've been talking about a lot of digital stuff and it seems to be um, a very a, a big part of where DSP processing is going is to make things sound analog and chaotic again and and not so clean so uh, yeah how, how, how have your explorations been going on they've been going on really well and i find myself using things both new and stuff that's been lurking in my plugins folder for many moons that i haven't spent that much time using for this purpose and when i say using saturation plugins i'm not generally going for something that's completely like you know buzzed out and squared off it's it's usually a very very small amount of something that brings an otherwise somewhat flat digital recording to life and and the care the care there becomes for me not overusing it and finding those elements which you want to stick out like that more than those other elements that you don't need to stick out there's so much like that and so um i mean most recently our dear friend uh wiggly uh dom has has his incinerator plugin, which I quite like, and it's a beautiful thing. And I've uh, recently pulled something called Black Box from Plugin uh, Alliance, and that seems to be working very nicely. My sound toys saturators are still treasured and wonderful. Um, and most recently, Devil Lock, which sat lurking in my plugins folder, like I said, for over a decade, like saved the day on something I was mixing um, by adding some light give my creature life as they said in the movie interesting um, so that's kind of where i'm coming from with it it's not so much to be obvious with it as to give a little more mojo to signals that may be a little bit flat in their original form it's interesting, isn't it? Because, I mean, there's also sort of console channel strips, which people like, you know, for instance, the, the soft tube and there's stuff from Waves as well, which you might put on everything that's just got a little bit of something, but you wouldn't necessarily... Because an analog console shouldn't uh, make everything sound really, really different. It should just go, oh, that's nice. Um, I don't know. Mm -hmm. uh, do, you, do you do that kind of thing? I mean, I know you're big on uh, saturation, certainly distortion. You tend to kind of push things harder because it just fits the, the sound you're after, I guess, right? It does, but I know where Rich is coming from. Just it's even subtle amounts, really, really useful in a mix. And I'm sure Yorad can talk much more about this than I can. But I certainly uh, my go-to's. In fact, I did some, a number of videos track from scratch, um, and I and you can see some of the processes I use. And I'm using Devil Lock quite a lot. Sound Toys ones, um, even the um, the Echo Boy plugin from Sound Toys. Not actually using that as an echo, but actually the way you can drive the input of that um, particular plugin is really interesting in the way it kind of breaks up a little bit. And then, of course, in this land, there's lots of things that I do 
um, such as mutable instruments clouds, the input of that, it, it really breaks up really nicely when you push things into it. You can distort the input just enough and, um, uh, and to do interesting stuff like that. I'll just uh, also do the same thing sometimes with reverbs. Instead of you don't always want those very soft reverbs. You want something a little bit crunchy. Yep, you can put them through some kind of uh, saturation or distortion, or just drive them a little bit hard on mm. um, on the mixing desk or something like that. So yeah, totally. To, oh, and the Otto Boom, the OTO Boom is my favourite um, outboard stereo. It's it's on everything, and it's got drive on it. It's got compression on it. It's got filters on it. It can do parallel compression on it as well so you can play around with the mix on it and uh, i just ram that on the uh, the output of everything really and um it's it's really really cool if anyone's looking for a small compact they do, I do I don't um, soft soft tube or somebody do uh, emulations of those as well the auto or maybe it's uad i can't remember which but do uh, yeah. they oh i wow. think so okay. some auto stuff oh uh, yeah i mean right. you've got a neve console there right so you you don't need to but i'm guessing you probably do you do this in software now because of the convenience the recall and whatnot yeah, and like you like you mentioned before, we have the NLS, which uh, which you put uh, across every channel. Or sorry, I should do every channel in your in your door, which uh, we modeled this desk and we modeled the TG one two three four five uh, Mike Hedges uh, previous desks a uh, desk and Mike uh, Mark Stent Spike SSL spikes SSL um, and it, and like Rich has mentioned, it's very subtle. Uh, but also because we modeled each channel, so the the you have the variety of uh, uh, okay. of kind of nuances which kind of make the makes the mix uh, a little bit less kind of sterile and and uh, clean, um, and and in all in all the modeling uh, plugins we make and and most other brands as well. Uh, you have that kind of uh, saturation, distortion, harm, uh, harmonic, uh, harmonic distortion, which adds a lot of depth um, to the sound when you when you work in the digital domain. And another thing you mentioned is the Retrofy that that does that as well. Obviously, it can go extreme. Uh, I love the interface but, on that. Uh, it looks like a Hanna yeah. Barbera cartoon. That's great. <laughs> yeah, it's. Uh, <laughs> Uh, and it's it's been so popular together with the SSL uh, V2 that we released that it actually crashed our servers on ah. on Black Friday. So nice. yeah, people are going crazy about those two two plugins. But um, yeah, I mean it adds a lot because if you just mix and uh, in the box and everything is so perfect and clean to the point that it becomes kind of transparent and and just almost kind of cancels itself out so there's no music left you know what i mean obviously it it, it suits certain styles of music but uh, i think that to these days in every genre you would find some in every mix you would find some use of uh, of saturation uh, plugins because it just makes it more kind of i don't know accessible I think and pleasant to the ears. Absolutely, yeah. Well said. Well, nice, nice, uh, nice start there, Rich. Um, I, I think uh, I was going to go to Matt's pick next. Matt has uh, 
Now, let me see if I've got this right. I need to find the actual uh, Circuit Happy Products MLM. So that's yours, Matt. I, I just need ML2, to... Uh, yeah. ML2, right. Yeah. So I just, I, I thought I had that... Uh, Happy Circuit ML2. So um, this is a module. You won't be able to see it from where you are. It's this very small 2HP module here. And um, what it does, it provides Ableton Link uh, in that module and allows you essentially to use that as a clock to um, synchronize anything with Ableton Link. So your laptop running Ableton or Bitwig. In my case, I'm synchronizing the Akai Force, um, which is really, really good, by the way. And um, it's rock solid. It's brilliant. I've had it now for about a month. And um, what it does, it connects to your home Wi-Fi, your home network, or it can generate its own network as a wireless access, po access point. Wow, in and, your modular, um, <laughs> amazing. It. Yeah, and then and then providing everything <coughs> is, is on that same network, it can it spits out Ableton Link. And um, I've been trying to get my head around a way of synchronizing external gear with modular gear with a laptop because I'm still I'm, I have a hybrid hybrid setup going sometimes. Um, and MIDI's just not cutting it. There's just there's just there's just too much um, deviation. It's just a bit too sloppy. This is really really tight. I mean, for, even on I would, Wi-Fi, I would say like f phase accurate. Um, and I've done I've done some tests with it. I'm very very happy with it. It's very small. It only kicks out clock. It doesn't accept clock. But what you get is a um, you just go to a link. Um, it gives you a URL to go to, and it's got a web interface. You oh, set that's the tempo, and then yeah, and then you can you can decide what comes out of the two outputs, whether they're twenty four ppn or um, whether it's um, uh, it'll spit out a, a, a gate, a high gate to tell a sequencer to play or to, and then when it stops, it stops, and that kind of thing. So really affordable. Really, really happy about it. Um, I can't remember how much it is. No, 185 no, bucks it says there but uh so 185 bucks yeah so yeah so i got master mine from, <coughs> last, yeah got it from um elevate sound in bristol who've been really good and it sits right next to pamela's workout which uh takes yeah, the that... clock from it and it's really really happy it's it's really really tight the, the clock i think they actually do um if anyone ain't got Eurorack and they want this they also do an ml i think it's the ml1 and it's a, just a standalone box that they do, um, which just allows you to sync any equipment you've got um, running Link. The other cool thing about this is I've got a ton of iOS apps that I haven't used for years, and I've started using them again because they've yeah, all I got think that's Link it. Missing, on them missing now. Link desktop, is that what it is? That's the jobby, yeah. Oh, so right, you, can, okay. you can run that version if you want to, if you're not interested in going to your Rack world, obviously. So, yeah, I thought I'd share that. It's, it's really good. Hats Excellent. off to the company. Well, thank you very much. Uh, I'm going to pop mine up now, which is, uh, uh, let me see if I can find it. Oh, yeah, I've got, a, and I've actually got a video for it. So I'll just play the video because I did, a, did this just before the show. My, mine is, it's not the video, that's the video. <laughs> okay, so this is a feature that just came up in Logic Pro 10.5 up. I've got an electric piano track here. This could be an external audio input, could be a live input, could be uh, any kind of stuff. I'm just going to go to utility, auto sample, in this case it's stereo. Really neat. What this will do, it will create some samples that I want. So I could say I want it to start from 
C0, just want to go up, say if it's a drum kit, I want to go up through here. I want to sample every semitone, so I'm going to get all the sample across each one, not, not necessarily round robin. I want maybe uh, three velocity layers, and I can set the layer of each velocity layer. Then I just want, I don't, let's not worry about loopy. So I'm just going to do some one shots. Then I would just go sample and then it would send the MIDI out because I could send the MIDI out on this track and it would just record them all. And then I have my AIF files. It records an AIF, unfortunately, but with a random number on it, which I could just change, but I could just drop those directly into something like a decent sampler, which is what we've used on uh, a couple of our free giveaways over on Patreon. And Bob's your uncle, really easy way to do things. It's a very nifty feature and there's you know you can do more stuff as well you can auto loop it you can tell it what you want it to do i think this is based on technology that was um acquired i forget the name of the company now uh that it was an italian company and uh red matica i think it was so i think that they've just incorporated this tech this technology in there you can also tinker with the input gain just a really useful feature yeah, and like I say, we've been using that, and and I did it um, just a. Um, it's just, it's just really easy to use, and I, and I think that like I say, it was Redmatic, and you used to have to pay quite a lot for it. So it's a that's my my pick. Yeah, uh, I've I've actually chosen your pick for you because you uh, you've just done a, a a sample library, right? Yes, I have for Nexus, uh, which right. is now version four. Uh, let me find that. So uh, let's go to that. And I've, I think I actually uh, I got the, if I go to Nexus, I've, I've, I was going to play the vid because this was, uh, so th did you make these sounds? I mean, is this for Nexus? That's what you've been doing. So that's for Nexus. Yeah, I, I sampled a lot of synths, um, which relates to, to auto sampler in a way. I haven't used auto sampler, but it, uh, but I sampled a lot of analog synths and a lot of uh, digital synths and combinations and a lot of, um, of sound design uh, on those samples. Uh, there's a lot of basically one finger kind of, you know, presets where, where you just press a finger and the whole thing uh, plays with like different um, evolving textures and uh, and things like that uh, even on the demo here you can see that there are not many presets playing at every at any given moment so yeah. sometimes it's just one and it's just one finger and uh, so yes this is for you know mainly for music to, to picture although I, I really enjoyed uh, playing with this and uh, and creating all these sounds. I had a lot of fun during uh, the the kind of easier part of of lockdown and all that. And uh, yeah, now it's uh, released, and I'm very. very I imagine proud. I imagine it's very tempting to put some of that stuff into a little sneaking a bit of binaural in there once in a while because that would give it even more spatial stuff. Uh, um, did you did you get any of that in there as well? That's that's the next uh, the next stage. Ah, okay, interesting, nice one. Um, I think uh, I think uh, what else did I? Oh, there was one other thing that I wanted to post just because it came up on um, uh, um, it came up uh, in the chat. It was Wagyu who mentioned it, and this is the new. It's a synth. It's basically. Uh, let's see if I can find it. Where's the? Ah, here we go. It's on Kickstarter, and it's the. Um, it's called the Nucleus, uh, and it's basically got a, it's 
got about 13 or 14 days to go. It looks kind of interesting. Three oscillators, one of them digital, uh, four envelopes and three LFOs. Um, and yeah, it sounded, let me see if I, did I get some sounds in here? Yeah, I think we've got something going on. Is it playing anything? Oh, I've I turned it down. There. The I'll just play it again. If I, there's some sounds. Uh, I don't got... think you're showing this thing. Oh, I beg your pardon. So this is the uh, Nucleus Uni Analog. This is on Kickstarter at the moment. It's got 12 days to go. Hasn't got over the line, but it does sound kind of cool. Uh, by a guy called uh, Mike Backman, artisan electronic Hello. instruments. My name is Michael Bachman. I'm the chief engineer and founder Find of his video. electronic instruments. There we go. In 2017, we. I just thought I'd throw that in there and see because it look, it does sound kind of good. Uh, I, and I like the I like the sort of hybrid electronica stuff. I, I know that uh, the the one that I would say was closest to that would perhaps be the uh, I'm trying to remember what it's called now. The um, Gosh, that I've forgotten. It's completely left my mind. I, anyway, that was my other pick for the week. That's it. Uh, sorry, that fell a bit flat, really, because I just completely had a brain fart and can't remember anything that I started at the beginning of that sentence. Um, so, folks, I don't know if anybody has anything more to add. Uh, Matt, you've got a new track coming out as well, haven't you? Is that uh, when's that happening? It actually came out yesterday. It's my eleventh uh, track of the year. Um, that uh, is part of my release one track a month for the whole of 2021. That's it there, yeah. And, um, yeah, released it on the 31st, <laughs> last day of November. Um, so I've just, just got, got one more there. of these to release. But, um, yeah, it's called Movement, and it's 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 hardcore. It's pretty Oh, you know, I can feel it's going. Yeah, it's, it's a bit of an intro on it, but when it kicks in, the, the kick drum's pretty raucous. I think... I think Rich was having a little dance to this earlier, but um, <laughs> yeah, it's um, it's it, thanks to everyone who's already bought it and um, subscribers on my Bandcamp as well. You know, you have automatically got that as a download link. These, um, so I've just got one more track to do for the year, and uh, I'm liking this new direction of a bit more heavy, techno, brutal. Uh, distortion that kind of stuff going on um, I'm actually going to do a breakdown of how I make the track the patch is still set up behind me so I'm going to run through the different voicings and the uh, gain staging and the um, uh, just the way I, I produced it basically before I unpatch it all and then the yeah. songs effectively gone so I'll be doing that in the next couple of days Excellent. Well, thank you very much, Matt. Uh, okay, well, I think we've reached our, uh, uh, roughly the right time. I've now got to go back home and try and find a disappeared cat that we uh, we recently rehomed at our house that uh, escaped out of the house last night in a way that wasn't able to get back in, and it's disappeared. So I'm really hoping he can be found soon because he's a handsome fellow. Uh, but anyway, thank you very much. Yoad, thank you so much for joining us. I'm sure you're back to the uh, to, to world of waves and, uh, and, and music production. What's next on your list? That you can talk about is it well is it is it waves or is it uh, is it music production <laughs> it's always combined i do obviously there was a crazy amount of work uh, heading to towards uh, black friday on the ssl uh, and the retrofy uh, but i you know all the time um do a lot of mixing there's been a lot of mixing this year and uh, which i love uh, so that's always great uh, in between things, I managed to to play a bit of guitar and get you know um, get back in shape after years of of uh, 
of just playing eight bars and copying them. <laughs> uh, so so that's a lot of fun as well. So yeah, I'm, I'm almost happy. ready to play an entire song. Eh? That, you had, wow, that's a that's that's a big one. I don't think I could do that. <laughs> Good for you. Uh, and also, Rich, lovely to have you as well. Thank you very much for joining us. Uh, I hope you're going to have. Well, uh, as I say, we're we're, we're he- we've still got a few more episodes before we break for Christmas. So uh, hopefully, we'll see you again soon. And uh, I guess you're. Uh, well, what's on your agenda? Have you got stuff to do, or are you just sort of enjoying a bit oh, of yeah. home life? for a while yeah well yeah i've always got stuff to do and uh and enjoying a bit of home life and uh taking care well it's all good everything's good i'm glad to be here but you know stuff happening with the family it's all good though and everybody's great pleased to hear it pleased to hear it and matt thanks again for joining us uh we'll see you we'll keep an eye out for your video and uh and your your next release which will be probably new New year's eve you're going for (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm going to try try and get in mid-december so i can enjoy christmas and that's the thing about doing one track a month usually it goes right up to the line sometimes literally you know the night before so um yeah i'm not doing this I, i want to enjoy new year's eve this year yeah. if anyone's right. got any good parties going on let us know yeah okay well uh if we have one we'll let you all know okay well that's it for this time thank you very much everybody that was sonic talk episode uh four oh god 692 uh, 93 of, of all things uh, i thought i'd mentioned it um and of course you could support us on patreon we've got the pre-show uh, i was noodling a bit on the uh on the polybrute right there, which we've got another video of that coming up. Uh, but that's it for this week. Uh, we'll see you all next time. Thanks very much for watching. Uh, that is uh, Sonic's Talk 693 all over. See you next time. Bye-bye now. <laughs>